0: Welcome to another episode of EC Thirty. The conversation continues about racism and the gospel. We have a special guest today, Recav Gray. Recav, how are you doing? I'm doing good, brother. Glad right. to be on, man. <laughs> Supporting his 76ers. He got knocked out in the first round, but we're not going to. You on. already know. <laughs> you would bring that up. I hear you, man. <laughs> that's, that's a different podcast. But uh, let, me, let me tell you guys a little bit about Cab. He serves as a teaching pastor at Cottage Grove Church in Des Moines, Iowa. He also served at Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia for 10 years uh, in various he was preacher. Block Evangelism, International Missions. He's got a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering and also <laughs> a Master's of Theological Studies, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is married to Brittany. They have three children, Aaron, Zipporah, and Jonathan. And my name is your host, is David Graves. A little bit about EC30. It is the Ethnic Conciliation Birmingham group had been meeting over the last three and a half months weekly on Zoom calls to talk about racism, oppression, both historical, present day, Uh, really listening to our Black brothers and sisters give us insight, biblical perspective, maybe how the church or we as individuals haven't lived up to the gospel in addressing racism. Uh, We prayerfully listen to them, walk through scripture, and now we do that monthly. To supplement those monthly meetings that were weekly meetings, we now rolled into this YouTube and podcast series, EC30. The conversation continues, inviting pastors, speakers, Teachers from around the country to weigh in to encourage and challenge us about racism and the gospel. With that recap, I'm going to say a quick prayer and then we'll jump in. Okay, God, we thank you for this day, for your glory, for your faithfulness that extends through all generations. Lord, thank you that you're faithful even when we're faithless. Thank you for the truth and uh, veracity of your word that you can ha- you can shine light in dark places by the power of your Spirit. Cause us to confess sin for your glory, for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this for the sake of your beautiful name and your glory. Amen. 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 So recap, let's, let's go. Question number one. Yeah. How do we seek out our own blind spots in regard to prejudice, biases or racism? And what questions should we be asking?
1: Yeah, that's phenomenal. Uh, loaded too. Um, I would first off say, like, I think that there's a necessity for us to recognize, first off, that we have blind spots in prejudice, bias, and racism, even before we can learn to try to seek them out. Um, You know, the passage that comes to mind uh, for me, it shows up in both Luke's gospel and in Matthew's account. Uh, Matthew 23 is where it shows up in Matthew's account, and he basically gives a woe to the Pharisees. Um, and he says, for you, you tied mint and cumin and he's talking about all of these really small grains, right? And he says, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and the righteousness of God. In that same context, he gives woes and he he's basically telling like, you say that you were on the side of the prophets. But actually, you're on the side of their murderers because you build the tombs of the prophets, and you actually—it's basically saying you're in business. You're in a family business with those who killed the prophets, and they would have obviously said, "No, sir, we—we we are not in business with them. We—we—we we, we, we're on the side of the prophets." And Jesus's point—he's making—is that though you say now that you would have been on the side of the prophets, your trajectory. Is literally in line with the activity of those who killed them. Mm. So you 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 stand in the same pathway. Um, it's almost like whenever you know snow happens, right? Snowfall comes down. Uh, you you have kids who love to play in the snow, and they walk in a particular direction, right? And and then you can tell when someone has turned and gone in an opposite direction because you start to see footprints in another direction. Well, what Jesus is saying is that the people who killed the prophets were walking in one direction, and I can't tell where their footprints end and yours begin, because you're walking in the same exact direction as the, those uh, people who killed the prophets. And so, um, and so, I would say first off, recognizing that that can be any of us. We're all susceptible to that, and the only way to kind of recognize man, am I still in line with the people who have been prejudiced and racist in the past? Is to see does your your ideologies and your thinkings and your justification even of racism line up with the people who were justifying it back then. Um, And and so that kind of leads to that second part of like, what questions should we be asking? We should be going back and first off asking the question, How did, especially in this nation, if we can get particular, how did Christians justify racism in the past? What language did they use? What kind of argumentation did they have? What passages did they bring up to justify racism in the past? The kind of racism, right, that all of us in the present would denounce as evil and wicked. How did those of the past justify what we would now say is wicked? And if my thinking and my ideology lines up with that kind of justification, I need to be concerned that maybe I'm justifying today's racism in the same way that people did it in the past. So,
0: yeah, it's, yeah. Almost, it's almost like the person who says, when you use the word justification, and I lo- I, by the way, I, I, I love this, that the person who says, well, I never owned slaves. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's true. I didn't bite the apple. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. When I, when I wake up today, guess I, I have that chasm of sin in my life. Exactly. It's from the biting of the apple, fall of man. Absolutely. Right. I didn't own slaves. You're right. I didn't bite the apple. So, uh, <laughs> absolutely. That is awesome. Absolutely. So, we think in terms of trajectory. I love that too about what verbiage did they use and what language were they using and then how were they justifying that uh, yeah. To with their behavior? In the in the same way, what do, what are we justifying now in our own lives? How's it compare to the life of the gospel?
1: Yeah, and I and I would say, I would even say, like even looking back then, I would just say, like we we need to be careful of language that says just preach the gospel, the the over spiritualizing of the church, right? Like um, and not recognizing the, the the holistic nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, I think it was Danny Aiken who said, you know, sin. Uh, has caused cosmic, spiritual, and physical problems, then the gospel has a cosmic, spiritual, and, and physical response. And so we should look at it in that way of like, man, sin has caused all the problems that we see. Therefore the gospel has a response to every single one. Um, and to to say that, you know, talking about racism or even trying to, to look internally to see, do I have some of these prejudices or biases? Um, and to say, no, 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 let me just focus on the gospel. Man, that, that, that kind of thinking was used by a whole bunch of different people. I can name some of them. Henley Thornwell comes to mind as a theologian who, who kind of fed into that. So yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh,
0: Question number four, it can be historical, present day, personal. What particular stories of racial injustice have infected, uh, have affected you the most, whether it's personal, historical, present day?
1: Yeah. This is a heavy loaded one for me. And I I was looking historically and there's a lot I can run to. Obviously, uh, any ones that are involved in the shooting of minors by police uh, who are unarmed. Um, I obviously think of Philando Castillo was big for me. Um, But I I, I wanna just take this personal because of the response I have seen specifically in the church to it. Um, When I was in Philadelphia, I lived in uh, North Philly, and at the time, and uh, it, Philly man is notorious for some of the the crooked nature of the some of the some of the force there. And um, I was going to my car, man, uh, just going out to grab something out of it, and uh, got pulled over by a cop just trying to get in my car, uh, not driving off or anything like that. Uh, they said license and registration I asked them why Uh, they said license and registration I said can you at least explain why like I'm just going to my car they said if you ask us 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 again uh, we're gonna be bringing you in and I know you don't want that license and registration now now everything in a human being wants to respond and I got so many of those this one this is why this one was so so pointed to me because all I kept thinking is if I wasn't, my wife says I'm so weird, I keep my shoes on all day in the house and I keep my wallet in my pocket. If I wasn't that dude who had my wallet on me at that particular time, they would have had me on something that I still didn't know what I was even being quote unquote pulled over for because I wasn't even driving. Um, and, and so I happened to have my wallet and I, and as I'm giving it, I'm still like human nature, can you tell me at least what's, what's happening, what's going on right now? Um, uh, please stop asking questions. We need to hear nothing else out of your mouth. If you ask something again, we're telling you, this is not gonna go well for you. So I give the wallet, give my driver's license, they scan it, run it, it comes back clean. They give it back. I said, can somebody tell me like what that was for? They're all like, well, you know, we, we now see that you do, you know, own this vehicle. Uh, it, it wasn't, we were thinking that you were still in this vehicle. We've had a lot of people. And this is what, this is what hit me. We want to protect this neighborhood from those who are stealing cars. And as I heard that, I said, like, like over and over, I just kept running through my mind, protect, protect, protect. (laughs) Well, I'm in this neighborhood. (laughs) I I, want to feel protected. And the way you're protecting the people in this neighborhood is by threatening the very people in this neighborhood based on nothing at all. And I had to take a drive. And I was just like, actually went back and grabbed everything and took a drive. I turned the corner and those very cops already have somebody pinned against the wall, not even a block over. And all I kept thinking in my mind is how quick that just happened. And I, I looked at that and I said, man, this is the essence of injustice, but these are the minor ones and the micro ones that lead to the major ones that give everyone a response who's been involved in something like that. The kind of response that seems to not make sense if you've never experienced that yourself, anything like that. And when I've shared that with my brothers and sisters in the fate um, of a different pigmentation in myself, um, Some, not all, I want to say that very clearly, some, not all, but some have responded by saying, what were you wearing? And um, don't you think you should have just submitted to their authority without asking questions? And as I heard that, I said, either these brothers and sisters have a drastic misunderstanding of submitting submission to authority even abraham got to ask god questions can we like just <laughs> like just be honest about the scripture and and i'm like if asking a question that makes sense is lacking submission to authority um i become nervous about those who are in leadership with that perspective one um but two i i wonder if they're applying that same kind of uh theology and ideology and philosophy to everyday matters that don't involve uh, police and black men. So that would that was the one that shook me, and it shook me more probably because the the subsequent conversations I had with Christians.
0: And how quickly it moved from what happened to you to the next person when you went to go for your drive to decompress and what just happened.
1: Yep, yep, so fast.
0: And, yep. and I, I will openly confess that the the, pod, the people in our group, but also anybody watching and listening, Never had that experience. I'm white. I wake up white, go to sleep white, going to die white, and going to live eternally white, right? Yep. It, but yep. at the same time, by God's grace, the, the being able to have a sense of brokenness over the fact it happened to you, hmm. whether it was uh, profiling, whether it was just, hey, uh, some guy had an itch that day, whatever it was, it wasn't right. And it just it goes back to when people say justice for all, yeah, that's not justice for all, right? Yeah, yeah. It, does, it doesn't line up with America's ideals, and it definitely doesn't line up with the gospel. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, let's, let's jump to, man, this is, this is one, and because of your conversational style, I can't wait to hear the answer. How, how, how do we dialogue or engage with a, with a believer, a brother, a sister in Christ that we're in relationship with? Obviously, it's not just some random person in the church. It's yeah, yeah. somebody Cause this happens on a relational level, right? Where we, we dive in a little deeper, but how do we dialogue with that believer who's not ready to have conversations about racism in their life or the life of the church? Hmm. Is this different from it? Not being ready to have conversations about abuse or uh, caring well for others, pornography, any other type of uh, sin issue that we tend to address hmm. in the church? Hmm. Man, that's a phenomenal
1: question. Um, well, one, one, I would say like, I, if someone's not ready to have a conversation um, I, I often ask the question, people are, are usually not ready to have a conversation either because they've experienced the suffering of the topic, or they have been proponents of the sin involved in the topic. Those are usually the, the major two reasons why people are not quote, ready to have a conversation um and and for that reason it needs to be first understood well why do you not want to talk about this um that kind of leads to the second thing i think i think that the kind of sin issues that implicate us indirectly are the kinds of sin issues that we often run run away from the most so um for example, let me take a topic, a different justice topic that ain't race. Uh, I have had conversations about porn with brothers, but when I bring up the injustice that is literally inherent to pornography of sex trafficking and how them literally feeding into that by their usage of pornography, uh, I have found that that's when the conversation gets very awkward and that's the place that they don't want to go. Mm. So um, I find that interesting because the the personal sin issue, they actually have more comfort talking about than the injustice that it actually brings on a corporate scale. And if, and if that's true in the realm of sexuality, then it is also true in the realm of racism. I think people even have oftentimes an easier time saying uh yeah somebody close to home my parents for example may have struggled with this somebody close to home when you say that that us as a whole have this problem that 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 it's 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 bigger than just me my family but it's the corporate whole has a problem and not just a problem but i'd say we've been intentional (laughs) in doing this then i that's where the conversations get awkward and people get, um, you know, frustrated and why are we talking about this? And can't we just preach the gospel and all of those things. And so, uh, a few things I've learned one, um, it is good and right to open the word of God up. Amen. Um, and I have found that like, this isn't even just within the church, but outside of the church, I think even in evangelism, we are scared to quote scripture because maybe they don't hear it right or maybe they don't agree that the Bible is authoritative. And so we're just scared to just open the word of God up because maybe it feel like we're bashing somebody over the head or anything like that. And I'm like, so what we're saying inherently when we do that, when we avoid opening the scripture up, we are inherently saying that someone will receive my word better than they will receive God's.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm I'm just not there. Uh, and I've seen people respond who never would say they're on par with the word of God and respond more to a verse from scripture than my words ever. Um, and I've seen people literally I've been talking for hours. I, I, I quote one scripture when, for example, when we were faithless, he remained faithful that's when that person gave their life to Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I, I think the word of God is that authoritative over our souls that it needs to be brought up. And if it needs to be brought up with unbelievers, it certainly needs to be brought up with believers. We should have these conversations with the word of God open. Um, second thing is, uh, and I say this to our minority brothers and sisters, um, I know the exhaustion, I have lived the exhaustion and the frustration and the pain and the agony and all of those things. And we need to be careful with who we talk to, right? Don't continue having conversations with someone who's just, who just wants to argue. I always say this, there's two different types of ways to ask questions. You can ask questions out of inquiry or interrogation. And if someone is just asking questions to interrogate, Don't worry about that. But if someone is coming with a genuine desire to understand, I think that we have a biblical mandate and love to enter into those conversations as much as we possibly can. And at those points, exhaustion isn't an excuse. I'm tired. there's some people who've been fighting much longer than me or tired. I look at John Perkins. I say, nobody more exhausted uh, than, than John Perkins. And I still see a desire to continue, continuously enter in. And I, I use him as a model to say, uh, exhaustion is an excuse for those who genuinely are seeking to learn. And then the last thing I would say is make sure everything's tied back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think what we say by the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be expanded, not based on what we see today, but what we saw in the early church. When you actually chronicle the book of Acts, there's maybe only twice that eternal life is mentioned. And our gospel has been summed up to Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins, raised from the dead so you can have eternal life. And John talks a lot about eternal life, but in the book of Acts, they talk a lot more about the kingdom of God, this holistic rule and reign of the God of heaven displayed here and now on earth. And it's already, it is already, but not yet. And because of that, we have uh, literally a mandate to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, you know, wait until moms calls you (laughs) to go in the kitchen. It's like, okay, now it's eating time. Like he's saying, you can eat now. (laughs) And, 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 And this is where I say like, And everything that God has given us, if he's already given us the picture of what heaven is, it's almost like he's given us the pamphlet, the book, the booklet to say, this is what you're going towards. But not only that, this is what you want to, as best you can, model right now. And one of the greatest ways you could do that is by, you know, really pushing back against racism and more than that, desiring that unified church uh, that only happens through the the incredible grace of
0: Jesus Christ. So, yeah. man. I, I was waiting for you to read a scripture, and I was getting ready to stand up. I know that's what you like. So <laughs> I, I made sure to leave. I left room. If we was gonna stand up. I can adjust the camera. Right? Yes, sir. The, the, be- the beauty of Acts, right? When the church started, was multi ethnic on day one. Absolutely. And, and when, when we when we stand before Christ in all His glory, we're multi ethnic there. Where are we now? Yeah. As you say, uh, how, how do we pray our your kingdom come, your will be done? Not only on earth and as it is in heaven, Matt Chandler, I think he's described it as it's not only our inheritance coming, it's our inheritance now through the blood of Christ to be Amen. brothers in Christ. Amen. Right? Amen. And yes. And I'm. I'm See, so, so I. I'm blown away because number one, I get to listen to, I'll get to go back and listen to this. I get to interact with you one-on-one. Mm. All the people who have to wait weeks to hear this, I'm going <laughs> to get to hear it like 10 or 12 <laughs> times. Uh, and then not spoil it for them just because there's so, <laughs> so much richness, right? I'm seeing taking oh, notes. Uh, so recap, would, would you do us a favor? First of all, thank you by God's grace and, and his glory. Would you pray for us? Absolutely. Mm.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Father, we are so uh, grateful for you, Uh, obviously indebted to you. Uh, We're so thankful for the incredible work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I love what Ephesians says that um, we should be eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And um, I love that we're maintaining a bond that you've already forged. Um, God, we just thank you that uh that this work of reconciliation, this work of uh true unity has already been accomplished. And we just desire to live it out, Lord. And so I pray uh for uh the local churches in uh Birmingham. Uh I pray for uh, the Big C church in the in the globe and particularly in this nation, God. Uh, That we will see that picture in Revelation 7. And not only that one, but the the many chronicles of pictures we see throughout the the scriptures, the multitude of nations uh, that we see throughout the scriptures, the life of Jesus Christ and who he went to and who he talked to. And that we are not only compelled to pray for what that will look like in heaven and glory but that we will be compelled to fight for that right now, Lord. Uh, Do all these things uh, for the wonderful glory of your matchless name. We pray these things in your son's name, Father Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.